0: For this time, I've probably uh, squeezed in as much dharma as I could to you. Um, You need to take the the teachings and contemplate it. Use it to think about what your practice is, what mind is. Don't be confused in terms of what um, you're practicing. Yesterday, I gave you something to remember, the only thing that that you should remember. Do you remember what I told you what to remember? Just a phrase. You know the phrase? Go ahead. Say the first line.
1: Sages turn uh, consciousness
0: into mind. Return? Yes. Return consciousness to mind. What's the second line over here? Huh, fools? Fools, turn mind into consciousness. fools turn mind into consciousness. It's very, very important that you remember this. Please remember this, because this is at the essence of our, our, our practice. When we, we say that, what we're saying is the sages, they understand what consciousness is. So they don't try to polish the consciousness that they return it to its source, the original self-nature of mind. But fools, they take mind and they try to squeeze it into consciousness, which is impossible. And when when we try to practice from the point of polishing consciousness, we do not know the difference. The ignorance there will prevent us from making um, proper progress in the practice, this is the right view. So we have to understand from our training, from our Mahayana training, what the self-nature of mind is. It's very important that we see that and we practice that and not practice uh, trying to make a better citizen out of ourself. The better citizen in this world comes from mind. That is the one that understands via wisdom to uplift humanity and to create a pure land on earth. It is what Master Shen Yang has um, asked us to continue um, that endeavor. So this is what we do. Every moment to us presents an opportunity for us to practice. Every moment is there and we can choose. We can choose the Buddha um, and wisdom, or we can choose ignorance. But we should understand, as practitioners, we're choosing. There's a difference now, because when you're not a practitioner, you're ignorant. You have no idea what is governing you. You have no idea of the twists and turns of of karmic forces. Someone once uh, said when I was explaining this to them, and they said, but doesn't it seem that if you are devoid of all these things, that you're just like a, a, um, like a zombie or a puppet? And I said, quite to the contrary, it is the person that's a non-practitioner that is a puppet. They're a puppet, and the strings are being pulled by causes and conditions and, that, and the, uh, the vexations All that habitual tendency is constantly pulling the strings and dictating what they do they are not exercising free will via wisdom so you should not be a puppet that's being pulled by the strings of habitual tendencies you know now that that these are there and you can spot them so use your practice elevate your practice so that you can see that moment to moment You see that when you sit to meditate and you see that in your daily life the practice of meditation and the practice of Chan would be worthless if it does not have an effect in our environment because then we we're just practicing for ourselves and that is not helpful to to the environment we all should always think of the environment. We think of the environment in the ecological sense of trying to preserve things, preserve our natural resources, but we also uh, use that notion of environment to include everything that we do, everywhere that we go. Our environment could be standing in front of a clerk at the shell station. How do we look at them? Do we look at them, look down at them? They're just a clerk. And why are they so, so ignoring me? I, don't they know I'm a customer? And, uh, and what do you leave there? You know, and you leave the, the Shell Station leaving a bunch of little droppings there, stinky droppings of self and vexations and discriminations. Or do you smile at the clerk? And know this person, they they are a um, uh, a, a person worthy of your attention, worthy of, of the way that you should practice. Recently, I had someone that sent me an email from the um, East Coast, and they said that he used to practice with Shifu, but now the Shifu's gone. He doesn't have a teacher, and he doesn't know who to ask these questions up to. So he said. I will ask him a view if that's okay. And so I just said, ask your question. So they asked a question. He said, I'm I'm at work. And when I'm at work, I, um, I'm having problems because the work is so stressful. And the manager, he constantly pits us against each other to develop something. And we have to, to develop something better than the other person. So everybody is always in competition with each other. And they're always gossiping and saying things and he said that he he doesn't like it there. And so when he goes to to work, he just puts on his headset and listens to Shifu's lectures and ignores her you're already not shaking your head. <laughs> um, and so so what do you think? Is this a good practice? No. So when when you hear things like this you feel sorry for him because he he does not have right view even though he's a practitioner because he does not have the right view it makes it difficult for him to practice and although he has the intention to practice he even wants to listen to Shifu's lectures but I said it's it's very interesting because I know you're a practitioner and you've made the vow to deliver numerous sentient beings, but yet, how can you fulfill that vow when you can't even fulfill it with in your work environment? And you, and you just shun your your um, uh, workers. Shifu himself said, "If you find yourself on a pirate ship, you become a pirate." Very interesting statement. When you find yourself on a Pirate ship, you become a pirate. It doesn't mean that you go there and you start cutting people's throats or or robbing ships. What he means is that you become one of the people there so that you are part of the environment. If you're part of the environment, you can be part of the solution. When you separate yourself from others, there's no way that you can become a solution because the people look at you because they, they may look down on you because you look down on them and say, they're not worthy of of your communications. So, I said, it's time for you to stop being like the proverbial ostrich with your head in the sand. Um, And and pull your head out of the sand and see what's around you and how you can change your environment. You change it by communicating with people and serving by an example. You don't do it by trying to, to to uh, uh, reject seeing them, that only causes further tension and distrust and and anger. So We use our wisdom, the wisdom that we have from this very mind. We already have this wisdom. All we do is this wisdom that we have, it's like the pilot light. Uh, You know what a pilot light is? things are probably stalled at state now so they probably don't use pilot lights anymore but pilot lights are on a gas burner or like on your water heater in your home and it's it's lit but it doesn't light up the room or it doesn't all it does is it is fulfills the potentiality of the uh, appliance that it's it's, uh, attached to and in the right time you add the proper fuel And that pilot light then turns on. And so it provides either heat um, or a burning uh, temperature to cook something. But all of that is still necessary, that the pilot light light was present. And then you do have it. And so what you use is you use your practice to provide the fuel, fuel, fuel. I'm tired now, sorry. (laughs) So when you provide the, the the fuel, you burn up the, fu- the fool. <laughs> so anyway, when you have the that there, you understand you already have this potentiality, and so you use it. You already have it. So you, sometimes they equate it, and some of the masters talk about it of the of the jewel that. Um, that's in the garment. Do you know what they're referring to? you know? No? You've heard about it before. It's about a prodigal son, son that goes out to try to find his way in the world. And his father sews a jewel into his coat. And, and this very precious jewel. And throughout the time, the son, he goes from job to job almost starving, but he, he he's there. And then at the last moment when he's really very, very down, he discovers this jewel that was in his coat all along that his father had sewed into the coat. It was there. And and he uses that and he understood that all this time he had wealth, but he didn't know it. And it's the same thing with with you. You you already have this within you and all you have to do is draw it out there's nothing that you you have to be searching for you have it there and and you each have this jewel sometimes they call it the money pearl or the wish fulfilling gem there's many different types of, of references to it but the wish fulfilling gem is pretty good because it, it it provides you for what you wish for but you only can wish with wisdom and so if you wish with wisdom it's there not only that but this jewel you can you can give it to others and if you give it to others you do not lose your jewel in fact there's more jewels to give and so you freely give the jewels they're there for the taking and when you see things in this way it's, it changes the way you look at the world. In the first retreat that I went to, I remember at the conclusion of the retreat, Shifu was sitting there in front of this bowl of um, M&Ms the, with the nuts in them, so they're kind of round. And he was looking at the bowl and looking at the colors and seeing them like a child. It was very interesting for him to see that, that his mind could be at rest and just looking at them. And his mind was so calm and, and and mild. He didn't have to be Shifu, the teacher, in that moment. He just was taking a rest. And I was watching him. And and when it came the time for me to talk about my experiences, I said that Shifu is like these candies that he has before him that we can take, freely take. And, and he has his wisdom is that way. He erased all of these these precious gems in front of us and we can pick how many we want to take and he freely gives it to us and and if we want to take a bunch take a bunch it doesn't matter no matter how much we take he doesn't lose any of them it just creates more the more we take the more he has to give and it is in this way that when i go from chapter to chapter i freely offer these these, these uh, jewels of wisdom for you to pick up and to, to use in your life. And they help. We each in our lives have times when we've been up and down. Probably in the last five years, you've been up and you've been down. The same with me. And at my lowest point in, in my life, um, I've used the practice. I didn't go, well heck of a lot good this practice is, you know, look at these things that are happening to me. In that moment, I used the practice and said, I will take refuge in the practice, in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. And I did that. And then I found no one can take anything away from me. Whatever comes to me, I understand, I accept it from causes and conditions. But I see the things very clearly. And I, I see the life very clearly. If I have something due to causing conditions, the next moment it could be gone. So I, I, don't, I don't measure myself with possessions. Um, but when possessions or status or anything of that nature, the thing is is that I understand that this body is useful teaching the Dharma I don't know how long I can go and travel from place to place and um, and do this but I will do it until until I can no longer do it and I do not want to look like a good corpse I want to look like a really beat-up used corpse where people would look at you and say "Wow, he really used that body for the to the max he wrung every bit of life out of it. And, and that is my attitude. Not wringing out the bit of life for self enjoyment. There's time for those things. But this body is a very useful vessel to help people. Earlier I saw somebody sweeping the floor here. Before that, somebody washing the dishes. Another person washing the floor with a towel. They're professionals. And people would look at them and go, why are you doing that? That's like silly. Why not? If not me, who? And so we look in that way. Sometimes when I'm uh, teaching in, in my uh, home place in Riverside, there's new people that come to talk to me. And at the end of the class, people have to put away all the cushions, just like you here, put away all the chairs, get the place... Uh, set up again neatly and and the people come and they come to talk to me and I have people that come and talk to me you know and they're talking to me while other people are working and then the true measure of whether they get it or not is whether they wait to talk to me and and join the other people that are putting things away then they get it they've gotten it that you too are a song are a community that you help each other and you have the responsibility to bring others to the practice. So this is how you work. You, you try to create a positive environment wherever you go. If you do not do this, then th- I have no interest in teaching you if you just simply want to practice for yourself. A long time ago I gave a story here. Some of you still may remember it, but it was a very interesting story. It was a story about this one monk that went on a big one um, big one is like a solitary retreat I don't know if I said it right in Chinese or not they go oh yeah Big one so so he had a benefactor this this um, this lady that decided to um, to support him in his practice and so he went up into the mountains and she um, to construct a hut up there and and gave him food every day how many of you remember the story anybody you remember it one person okay another one oh, another one <laughs> so in any case so what happened was is that the um, the lady was uh, giving him food and she would send her daughter up there to give him food every day and and he would stay there and, and practice and practice and practice. One day, the lady said, "I wonder how this this monk is getting along." So she said to her daughter, "Go up to there. I want you to go up there, and after you give him the food, I want you to show, play like you're interested in him, and start to to like massage his back to see how he how he is." and and then tell me what, what he said. So she went up there and gave him his food, and he's there, and he's sitting in meditation, and she comes behind him and starts talking to him, very friendly-like, and starts to massage his back. And he's there, and he's, he's not moving. Finally he said, I am like Cold Stone, and dry wood, and so the the y- young girl she stopped massaging him and playing like she was interested in him, and went down um, the mountainside to uh, her mother's home and told her mother what the monk said. So in this case, after she heard what the 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 young lady told her about. Or her daughter told her about what the monk said to her. What do you think her reaction was? The the mother's reaction. Anybody? What do you think of what the monk said to her, to the young lady when he said, "I am coal stone and dried wood"? I know that you guys don't don't, don't give it away. The ones that know it. Think about this. What do you think? What do you think? Would she be happy or sad to hear that?
2: I think that. I think that she should be happy if
0: she was supporting. Happy. Okay. And what'd you say? Sad. Why would you say sad? Cold stone and dried out wood. Sound good. What was he trying to convey to her? His condition. Huh. His condition. This condition, okay. What do you think of it? No? No idea. You should have an idea here. We've got a couple of opinions, one happy, and the other one's going like, no. So there's two choices here.
2: Huh? I uh, probably the monkey is not in uh, the
0: level good enough. I, I missed the last part of what you said. Oh well,
2: I, I think probably the monkey is not in the level that is good enough.
0: He's not good enough? Why why do you think that?
2: Well I think if he, he is um you know he is very um, calm, calm probably he was he would not say things like
0: that. He would do what? What would you think, if he was really good, he would say?
2: Well, probably he would not even need need to reject that girl. He would what? He would not even need to reject that girl. He might use another way, like yesterday you were talking about
0: harmony. Harmony? Harmony. Harmony. Okay, let me try this. (laughs) We're shaving your head. You're the monk, yeah. You're the monk in there. and and the benefactor's daughter is massaging your back, what would you do or what would you say? I I don't understand the question. I know I would want a hot stone, I know that much, not a cold one. All right, well we better not go over there then. (laughs) All right. I
1: would say actually my feet are the ones that are hurting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Compromise. All We're <laughs> drifting. <laughs> so
2: He would teach the girls
0: some lesson. He would teach her some lesson. He would teach,
2: lesson, you teach the girls some lesson,
0: like, you know, it's not a good way doing this to, to a move. To what? To a book. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else?
1: Yeah. I, I'm not sure, but I mean, she could have asked the monk first. Uh, sorry? She you? could have asked the monk whether she could massage him.
0: Uh, so no, but but she was under the instruction to do that, to see what his reaction right. was. But yes. on,
1: on the other hand, the monk was living in his hut on this mountain, which is a like cold stone, and the hut is made of wood. So, in a way, he identified with this where he
0: was. Uh, Hi. You guys better watch. I'm going to burn your cushions. <laughs> <laughs> she burned his hut she burned his hut down and set him on his way now why did she do that? he's still in a state of dualism doesn't understand how mind works and without telling her hey look, you know, the precepts blah blah blah, why, it's not a good thing it's an instant rejection due to self-dualism yeah, he was only interested in himself, not to be allured by her. But he didn't engage her. He didn't interact with her, like you were saying. And you were getting there, which was that it, it wasn't about him. It was about her, and saying, "Young lady, what is it that you're missing in your life that you you want to pay attention to this this you know skinny monk and and." And is there some way I can help you and talk to you and, and show you this is not correct? Instead, he just rejected her. What good is he to the world? Of course, you burn his his hut. He's just he's just there living off of of her. But what is he when he comes down? Is he going to give anything back? No. So we don't want to do that. So we have to be careful. We start burning the cushions here. I won't burn the place down, but I might burn a cushion or two. So the thing is, is, the point with this is in our Mahayana practice, the essence of our practice is to engage the environment. Everything within it, engage all of you. So some of you have come up to me during the break, and you talk to me about things that are happening in your life. I have this problem, or I have that problem, and and um, and I take the time to talk to you. I don't say I'm cold stone and dry wood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a, a a nun that went to one place that I I, I go to as well, and. Um, the people were talking about well what if you know um, if they had someone had a baby or something what would happen and she was just saying well that's just causes and conditions she should never have had a baby What a horrible thing to say she was completely a lack of compassion to, to do that it wasn't somebody from DDBA by the way <laughs> I don't want to say that it, it was somebody from a whole different discipline and and the person totally lacked the empathy that we need to to interact with other people we have to have this empathy this this care this care is called karuna it's the care and the suffering of others and the karuna is the end result of the transcendent wisdom as we begin to practice more we become more attentive to the needs of others. We become more attentive of the needs of the community and say, if not me who's going to wash this plate, who will? If not me who puts away the cushions, who will? Or vacuums the place or provides food. You don't have to be this high level bodhisattva to engage in bodhisattvic deeds. So we all do that. Even the smallest little thing that we do, we do it from compassion. We don't do it and, and in this day and age, uh, kind of more new agey, they're changing the concept of mindfulness to be something of ultra uber politeness where, oh, let me open the door for you, oh, yes, and do this, you know, I call it Chippendale practice, the Chippendale with the two monks that were so, po- not monks, uh, chip monks that were so polite. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the cartoon with Chippendale, but they're they're very polite um, chipmunks.
2: <laughs> they must
0: have been a monk in a previous life. And, and in any case, they, they're always, have you seen them? Yeah. yeah, and they're so polite to each other, and that's what people turn mindfulness into now. But mindfulness is much, much deeper. It goes to the very essence of our practice. It goes to this idea of cutting out, out unwholesome connections in the mind, and generating this incredible Anyatara Samyak Sambodhi wisdom, which is compassion. And this incredible compassion to help others and care about others. And so when you, when you have this compassion, then wherever you go, you can, you can lend it out. You can help. You can do something. You are in the game. Even though you know this is an illusion, nevertheless, it still matters. And so you're in the game and you're, you're helping people and, and working with their suffering. When you start doing that, you pay less attention to your own suffering. Somebody um, today asked me, wow, you're doing this and you're doing that and you do that. How do you, how do you do it? And I go, I don't know. I don't know. I never give it any thought. I just do it and so this is the way you do it if if you if you think about getting credit for it or whatever it will not work for you you know when you start thinking about what it what's in it for me so i, I once had one student and she was a very good artist and and she created a, a logo for our local group and she's going you know um how much I, I could charge for this, for this logo and stuff. It's quite a bit. And, and I said, uh, you know, I, I kind of sort of uh, give a lot of time to the group, too. And she goes, yeah, but all you do is just talk.
2: <laughs>
0: and, and, and I'm going, okay. <laughs> I, I, I put in my heart, someday I'll deliver you. It might be a while, but I will still deliver you. Um, but with this kind of attitude, you you can get nothing, and you give nothing coal, stone and dry wood. But if you just keep freely giving and giving and giving, then one day you just find that that's just the way it works, and that's the way of life. And you you use your wisdom to know where to give, when to give, what to give, and you do the things in this way, and you begin living a life in this way where you're not so worried about what your problems are because you realize there's people with a lot more serious problems than you and so whatever you have to do that is there you do it whatever's necessary you do it and but you are engaged you're not just simply saying oh you know what uh i'm going to go on a big one for 10 years and after that i'll probably do a 20 year you know and they went. what happened to Gilbert? Oh, he's just gone somewhere. You know, <laughs> and never come back. Shifu, he went on his retreat, but he came back. And when he came back, it was incredible what he accomplished in such a very short time. Because he understood how mind works. And he understood the power of the vow. And so don't underestimate these two things, of, of the mind and the vow in, within the mind. When you make a vow, it's very, very powerful. So we always use the vow, and, and in my group at I we always start the classes with the vow that I vow to deliver innumerable sentient beings. I vow to cut off endless vexations. I vow to master limitless approaches to Dharma. I vow to attain supreme Buddhahood. But in the order of priority, is delivering sentient beings. Because If you're delivering sentient beings, the other three will take care of themselves. So you're always looking for the way to deliver sentient beings. So if you have the idea you want to deliver countless sentient beings, then you are embarked on this noble journey in this life to do so. And that will dictate what you do in your life. Doesn't mean that you end up having to shave your head. No. But if that's the case, that's the case. You can, you can shave your head and become a Sangha. But you don't necessarily have to do that. You can still be a layperson and accomplish a lot. All you have to do is look at the Villa McCurdy Sutra, who was a layperson with a very deep understanding of the Dharma. And I would highly recommend you to, to read it. It won't be an easy read, but it'll be a wonderful read, an eye-opener for you all the sutras are in this way, they have something to offer you. You just have to, to open yourself to them. When you open yourself to the sutras and the treatises, then you start looking at it. If you looked at my, my paperwork here, you'll see I must have read it five, six, ten times, taught from it 20 times. And, and it's in this way that each time when I read it, even something deeper, comes out of it, something more profound, something more dynamic that this master had put in, in, the, in his writing, some kind of a, a resonance in the writing beyond the words themselves. Um, his exhortations and instructions become personal to you. And when you, when you feel them in this way, you have the heart you want to share them with others. Because then you realize this master was incredibly, incredibly wise and incredibly compassionate. Compassionate. And in this way, we we use this type of an effort to, to practice. And when we have this right view, then everything will fall into place. And you will have a better life, I guarantee you. You're not gonna be immune from adversity. Everybody has adversity. People die, get born, um, people lose spouses, loved ones, animals, jobs, relationships. This is all part of this world. It, it is not a world where one in themselves and the phenomena can gain satisfaction there was a person I saw in Orange County. Uh, Orange County in California is kind of like where all the rich people live, or at least we, from the people from the Inland Empire, the, all the poor part, see the people from the OC, Orange County. And, he, and it was on a fancy car and it said, he who dies with the most toys wins. Hmm. And you read that and you just kind of cringe, you know? And I felt like putting a bumper sticker next to it saying, he who dies with the most toys, still dies.
2: <laughs>
0: and, and it's in this way that they fail to see. If that's called winning, that's sad. There's no wisdom there, that's just, just discrimination. And if we, we can still have, Villa McCready had a very big palace, but he was still a practitioner. He wasn't attached to any of that stuff, but it doesn't mean that one has to take a vow of poverty. But we practice in our own accord. But we use what we can to practice with, and we we use the best wits that we can we can gather, and so our we elevate ourselves in terms of of our aspirations. So we elevate ourselves so that we can we can be better people, and we start with just. Our general environment like the people who clean this room up we start with that and then we just keep expanding out from there we're not cold stone and dry wood there's a reason why I, I teach you or I come here because I have compassion for you but I also have the hope that wherever I go that I will create a better environment and a, a more inspired environment for people to practice and practice um, very well. And you know, when I see that, and I go places, and I say, I see the people say, "Oh, you know, we've been taking your lectures, and we've been studying from them." And I, that makes me feel good, not because I think that my lectures are the best. I, it's because pe- I've done something, and my students have done something that is very good. And, they share in, in translating the or transcribing the lectures and also you can hear them um, at the live lecture um, or the recorded lecture or a transcribed version of it. They have the right attitude when they do that that. That's the right attitude. You don't have to tell them you know you're, they're on the path. The path is illuminated before them. And that's what we do wherever I go. I see the people who have the path illuminated before them that have devoted their lives to, to this type of, of a practice. Because really you have to look at this and say, you know, when, you, when you're there, you know, what did he do? I don't know. Well, you know, he, he went to school and he got married and he had a couple of kids and he worked his life and he retired and then he died you go okay but life's much more than that I mean we we all have the potential to help in some way even if it's a little way you start with a little bit you know. It, even if it hurts okay I'll, I'll give a dollar I'll put a dollar in the thing over there you know that, that, that makes me feel better and then little by little you start giving more and more and you start realizing you can give of yourself and when you give of yourself, after a while, you have no self. Not bad, not bad. Pretty good trade, right? And so we practice in this way. But we have to practice very hard, very sincerely. The more sincere we practice, the better we, we get at this. When you come and you sit to meditate, don't waste your time on the cushion, please really practice hard it doesn't take long for you to break through but i go from places to places and i see people and they become content and complacent in their in their practice and they're satisfied with their where they're at that they can sit but pushing and pushing and pushing to to really get it right to get a world-class practice You're all capable of doing that. Like I told you, you don't have to have world-class bodies to be a practitioner. Not bad. Even if you can't sit on a cushion, you can sit on a chair and still be world-class. All you gotta do is have the heart to do it. And if you have the heart and determination, the virya, remember to be like the hero. When you have that virya to do it, then it works. You have that right view. Of what mind is and you're always looking into that looking what is mine what is mine and you have to look in this way if you don't if you're not exposed to this type of a training it could be a long time before you hear somebody again to do that but really what I talk about the words that I've said to you you see the the masters they say the same words they and they teach it in in A deepness and a deep profoundness why because they don't want the people to be um, to be cheated out they want to give them the best Dharma that they can give them to try to do their own contemplation and their own investigation of mind and so they they lay it all out and they they tell you this is what you need to do okay you, you gotta practice that's the first thing you got to know what you're practicing. you got to relax. you got to stay in the present moment, no thinking. All of these things that I, I, I said, and I repeated them on purpose many times so that you can remember them. So it's your job to remember. It's not that many things that you have to remember that you do a systems check when you sit to meditate. And you go, body, check, cushion, check, all right? You know, you're, you're on a roll. Towel, check. Legs cross, check, right? You're doing good. Relax, yes. Am I breathing? Check. That's all you have to do, you have to check. You're breathing, okay. You're alive, check. you relax. you're in the present moment. You have nothing else to do in that moment, check. You've got your method. You know what's going to come. As soon as you start going into the method, thoughts are going to come. Of course. What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do when the when the thoughts arise? Let them rise. Huh? Let them rise. Just put them on the mirrored mirror, ceiling, right? You just, At a mirrored wall. Just let them arise and just let them go up. Just like balloons going by you. So you know they're gonna come, right? So you don't have to, to go in on that, that ride that they wanna take you to. You wanna go to work? It, you don't even respond to it, it just goes, oh, what the heck? And then it goes and it dissipates. And everything is this way. So as you practice in this way, it becomes very easy. You, you just have to know that there, there are these steps. When you have the steps, the components of a proper meditation, then you can meditate in the right way. And you're sitting there with your method. The right, What the right view does, you don't have to educate yourself or re-educate yourself while you're meditating. What the right view does is it sets the table for you. So that when you sit to meditate, that you already know what's coming. You know that. So you're prepared for it. And so it's no surprise when you hear it, you know, and, it, and it's coming, you go, here it comes. And you hear all the, the like the horse of all the thoughts that are coming at you. Right? It's coming to get you. It's coming to get you. It, it's all right. It's okay because it's not going to get me. They're just going to go whizzing right by. And you know they're coming. And some of them, they'll hang right in front of you for a while. Let it go. Let it go. You let it go. And then the one that tries to scare you, hangs there, and oh, no, another one, and then the, 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 the jelly donut's there, and you go, oh, what kind of jelly? No, no, come And then it goes away. And so you, it's that way, they, they try to stick to you. But you understand that don't stick, don't stick. And little by little, you become very good at that. And every time when you sit down, they stick less and less. You become world class. And then you come walking in the door. Wow, that's a world class sitter right there. How do you know? Look at them. They're cool, and they sit there. And you don't pretend that you're world class, and you don't say you're world class. You're just a good sitter. Some people can pretend that they're a good sitter, and they sit there. But if you stood behind them, you'd hear whoa, 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 all these thoughts going by, and and they're just complacent in their sitting. You have to be careful not to do that, not to be complacent. Never think you've got it. I never think I got it. Every time I sit, it's the first time I'm sitting, it's a new sitting. It's not something that I'm bringing to the cushion, all of these um, stars and bars and medals or anything. I'm coming there going, whatever comes, comes, but I do have a method and I have a practice and I'm ready for it. And then you, you just sit there and you do it. Okay, any questions? And then after I, I say, okay, that's it, then you guys call, come rushing up with your questions. <laughs> come on, questions. Yes? You have to speak lock of air conditioners.
2: I don't understand uh, the concept of uh, transfer of marriage. Um, I do karma is something that happens and naturally and uh, you can't cheat. So uh, if, if it's possible to transfer marriage, that implies that like you can steal someone someone's, someone's marriage or I can commit crime and then take the karma to someone else. <laughs> that just uh, that
0: doesn't make sense. It's a good question. Transfer of merit does work. It's not a panacea or, or it isn't something that if you transfer merit that it will be a get out of jail card for somebody or get out of hell card. But it still helps because you remember that to know all the Buddhas, the past, present, future, perceive all Dharma, dhatu nature is created by the mind. When everything's created by the mind, then what happens is that we are very clear about um, the potentiality of bringing forth something in the mind. But we use our compassion to help people and to transfer merit to them. And by trying to transfer merit to them, it helps us, but it helps the people. And because they also are within mind. So we can use things in a really beneficial way to be able to do that, it, it's not, it takes practice to, to open your heart to do that. But it's very, very powerful. Especially if a, if a whole group does it, it's very powerful. So, for instance, when someone is dying, you can begin to transfer merit to that person. So, if I know uh, somebody is dying, or somebody calls me and says, so and so is dying. I, I can engage in, in the recitation of the Buddha's name and transferring merit to that person. Whatever it is, it will help. It will help to a certain extent. It may not bring the person, you know, um, completely uh, transform them or something, but at least it creates a favorable environment for them in the mind. And and that's helpful. But In transfer of merit, you have to have the faith that it will work. The faith comes from understanding everything's connected via mind. And because of that, that's why transfer of merit works. And uh, again, it's in accordance with your sincerity of transferring merit, the power of how many people are doing it, and the person's karmic forces that are governing them as well as to how it's going to influence them. So it will influence them for sure, but how much depends on many variable factors. But it's better than nothing. You go, oh, so-and-so is like really suffering or dying, oh, too bad for them. No, you just, in your heart, you want to to send positive wishes for that person that they can can, um, go to somewhere else, or go to the Pure Land, or go to you know, a favorable rebirth. Not to suffer so much. And and transfer merit to their family so they don't suffer. So it does work, but you have to use your heart. It will work, you know, because of the mind. Okay, other questions? Yes, in the way in the back. You have to speak loud, because you're way back. What
2: is contemplation? I don't
0: understand. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> contemplation. Contemplation is the idea that you are not thinking. When we contemplate something, do you remember the exercise direct contemplation? Have you yes, ever done I it?
2: Think the minute I, still don't understand.
0: <laughs> I will say it this way, but I don't say it in a bad way, okay? That the you will never understand that you can never understand direct contemplation because direct contemplation is just mind looking at mind. And so when we contemplate, what we're doing is rather than thinking about something, we are looking into its nature. So for instance, when we do the direct contemplation, if I was to look at this wooden fish, I do not call it a wooden fish. I just look at its nature. I see it. And I see the totality of it. And I'm aware of it, and it's directly. Uh, I'm directly aware of it, and so this contemplation. When we're directly aware of things, devoid of the um, the idea of the self or discriminations or impressions, we see things for as they really are. And so, when we directly contemplate, let's say, our consciousness, then we no longer call it our consciousness we just see it as for what it is is an aggregate of, of the five skandha form, sensation, perception, volition, consciousness and we see all those things are ultimately empty but the contemplation brings us to that because that direct looking at it changes the way that we see things so that we don't see it from the idea that, that I am looking at something we just see it for what it is. And little by little, we, using that awareness, when we use that awareness, then we, we let go. And, and we let go of the idea of the self. And that contemplation will produce wisdom. If we cogitate about something, there's worldly wisdom that can arise from it. When we start thinking about things, there's worldly wisdom. But there is not um, the transcendent wisdom. That transcendent wisdom requires the direct contemplation of, uh, of mind and direct looking into mind and, um, for it to happen. Otherwise, your, your worldly wisdom is only good in the consciousness and it's only good in this lifetime. Um, it may help you in terms of future lifetimes of not creating bad karma simply by not doing things, but it doesn't see, it doesn't see mind. It doesn't real, I should say, it doesn't realize mine. That's as far as I can take you.
2: Is it a similar to Vipassana? I'm sorry? It, it's similar to Vipassana. When you try to seek it's nature.
0: Vipassana is what comes up. This is similar to uh, sign illumination. So the, as a Vipa, Vipassana is there, is the insight. When we say insight, it's interesting because when we say it's an insight, it's not an outside. It's an insight. Insight meaning that one is looking directly into mind and how mind works. So that produces wisdom. So, so insight could be considered the same as saying turning the mind's eye inward. So as we turn the mind's eye inward, we no longer create in mind the idea of subject and object. But we, we see through the interconnectivity of all things that all things are mind, And in that way, that's cultivation. Okay? Other questions? Yes?
1: Um, My question is about this mechanism and these forces at work. Eventually, where they lead you. So what is the meaning of all this? So eventually the long-term goal. So because you can reach perfection by becoming as wise as you can get, you can help other beings becoming as wise as they, they can get, and then you, when you uh, project this to all sentient beings, is this eventually everyone gets as wise as uh, the being can get, get? Is this the ultimate goal?
0: Yeah, you could say that, because the idea in the Mahayana is, is that we, we don't leave anybody, okay? And it's kind of a very interesting thing, because as Mahayanists we really are destroyers of of this world. We're destroyers of of the suffering of the world. And so we come back to this world because of karma. But if we can deliver sentient beings of non-sentient nature, then there's nowhere to come back to everyone will just essentially, let's say, be reabsorbed into mind. It's a very interesting question, you know, because when we look at it, we have to look at, like what you're saying, it's very interesting, of the end product. And so the end product, this world, hell realm, the ghost realm, you know, the animal realm, all those realms will will be extinguished because of, of the power of the vow. It it doesn't mean that we're killing people. We're just not regenerating people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah no. Exactly. Because, I mean, for example, this planet. Maybe we are too many people to for this planet already. So there would be things to consider. How to what this planet can uh, like how many people can live comfortably and in and peace and harmony and, and
0: so on. At, at some point one has to ask a question about numbers. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I was saying last night, because the Jehovah Witnesses believe there's like 400 slots in heaven. 400,000 slots in heaven. So when they knock on your door and they go, you know, do you want to do say, there's only 400 slots in heaven. Quiet! There's only a few left, you know. but it's not that way for Buddhists the Buddhist can hold everybody you know in in the palm of the of the Buddha's hand there's no Buddha there to hold it like that it's all mine and it's vast incredibly vast so we don't have to worry we can develop a big enough bus to take everybody so it's okay but the idea is there. And how long would it take? Who knows how long it would take. You know, ultimately somebody's going to have to turn off the light when, when they leave here. Um, and hopefully we can turn off the light before the lights turn off here um, because of what we do on the planet. But it is those ideas of what we do, you know, but it starts with just trying to create a good earth first. If we can create a good earth where we can stop killing each other not bad i mean we're creating a pure land here we're we're changing the environment to to a point where where things are seen in a different way you know there was a long time ago the um song, it was a Nicolas song that elvis costellos saying called uh what's so funny about peace love and understanding like saying what's so funny about that that people don't don't get it you know and If we generate enough people that say hey peace love and understanding is attainable you know we we've got to to start thinking about that way then it's not bad it's not a bad thing it's a noble thing and let's say I'm wrong about this and I end up in front of God I don't think he's gonna look at me and go like man you know uh, you were backing me back there so you're gone if that's the case i don't want to be part of this group i'd rather be somebody the reason i'm a buddhist is because this makes sense to me you know there's things when we talk about this that stretch out so far that it's theoretical in some way but nevertheless my ideas as right now all of this is purposeful and, and beneficial to everybody and that's what I want to do is say, be good, be good here. You know, and, and if even if you were wrong, you still did something good here. And and be here and and you leave your mark, not in the form of a stupa or shirlise or whatever, but you leave your mark with the impressions that you gave others and the inspiration you gave others to do things positive. This is what we do. Okay? I'd like to thank you all for coming. You were very patient and listened. And it, sometimes it became repetitive, but the reason it was repetitive is to drill it into you and so that you you can practice well. So I hope you practice well and, and, and put this into motion. When you use your meditation, again, be honest with your meditation. Don't start meditating and, and watching things, you know, you can give at least five ten good minutes of practice and then add time as it goes along but make that practice impeccable you do your best you you really burn the self up on the cushion you do you burn it up using your right view and your practice you're very yet to stay with the method stay with the method and it will work okay thank
2: you
0: Thank you for inviting me. Can we close with prostrations? Yeah, we can.